Anyway, shall we get into the message today? I have a word that I want to share with you, and uh, I'll try to do it in a timely fashion. Good, it's still early enough to make it happen. And remember that we are talking about communion today, uh, and I believe it was before before uh, I left, actually probably somewhere, I can't remember which communion it was, whether it was uh, at the first of the year or whether it was our first Sunday back. I'm sorry that I don't remember which one, but we shared communion, and the Lord uh, kind of directed me a little differently about that communion because the thing that stuck with me was new covenant, that we were under the new covenant. I don't know if any of you remember that Sunday or that that. Uh, that that um, communion, uh, but that's what I spoke about. That our focus was going to be on the new covenant, and God's been taking me uh, on a journey down that path ever since. Ever since that time, and I begin to preach a few messages about who we are in Christ and the new covenant that we live under. And today, my message title is New Covenant Communion. We're going to continue that. Let me also say that in our absence, you know, uh, we, I would be seeking the Lord. Okay, Lord, what direction do you want me to go, you know? I know a lot of times people expect that the pastor's going to come back just fired up with a brand new message, and I didn't come back fired up with a brand new message. I came back fired up to continue to preach the things that the Lord has instructed me to do. He didn't give me a new thing to do. He just reaffirmed the thing that I was already doing, praise God. So let's get into it for a few minutes. One of the tendencies that we have as human beings is to believe that we are what we think. Now, I know you may say, well, wait a minute, what about the scripture that in Proverbs 23, 7 that says, tells us that as a man thinks, so is he. And this passage is true, don't take me wrong, but it implies, here's what it implies. It implies that every thought that I have or every thought that you have, you're thinking it. Okay, wait on me just a minute. I didn't go down to the bar in any time that we were at that, that place, I promise. Uh, you know what? I know that I'm the one thinking it, that you're the one thinking it, but I submit to you that not every thought that you have comes from you. Not every thought you have comes from you. We have to identify. We have to be close enough to the Father to be able to identify which thoughts are our thoughts, which thoughts are his thoughts, and which thoughts are Satan's thoughts. Because I proclaim to you that you are not, what you think is not who you are, okay? Satan's primary force, I've taught this many, many times since I've been here, Satan's primary force, and quite frankly, his only power is to plant thoughts, ideas, and suggestions in your brain. That's, that's really the only inroad that he has. Plan a thought, plan an idea, make a suggestion, and then continue. Then human tendency this is think about your thoughts. And then the more you dwell on those thoughts, the more you, are, you have a tendency then to follow through on those thoughts. And many of us believe that we are what we think. Well, I'm going to share with you something completely different today. If you're not renewing your mind, your thought life, with the words of God, 
it's very possible that you will listen to the voice of the enemy and when he tempts you and somehow believe that that's who you are, that that's who you are to the core, and that at the core you're somehow sinful, and to the core you're somehow dirty. Uh, you know, the, the, whole, the, the whole idea that I'm a sinner, I'm a, I'm a sinner that's forgiven. Well, listen, if you're a born-again Christian, you're a saint, not a sinner. Now, I know I'm going to say some things today that some of you are going to just say, oh, thank you, Jesus. And some of you are going to go, oh, I don't know about that. What's that guy been doing when he was on vacation? God wants us to interpret every thought through the light of what he reveals about us. Because the enemy will come and plant thoughts, ideas, and suggestions in your brain, and you will have thoughts too. A lot of thoughts uh, come from the memory bank that are brought back up, and so many times we begin to think about those things and then think, oh man, I'm still the same old dirty sinner. But thank you, Jesus, that I'm forgiven. But you see yourself still as that same old dirty sinner. I believe I've captured your attention. You see, his revelation is that as a born-again believer, you are a new creation. Did you hear me? You know, we quote that scripture, we preach that scripture, but I wonder if we really believe that text that says, I am a new creation, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We don't see ourselves that way. See, you got excited about it right there. But many of you, and me included, have still been looking at the lens as a mirror of the past. And that's how you identify who you believe yourself to be. I'm a child of God. And because I'm a child of God, I have a new heart. And because I'm a child of God... I have a new spirit, and because I'm a child of God, God's spirit is living on the inside of me. And if that's what you can say, that you are a child of God, uh, uh, have received Jesus Christ into your life, then you are a new creation, you have a new heart, you have a new spirit, and God's spirit is living on the inside of you. You are different at the core than you used to be, but your memory bank won't let you believe it. Do I have your attention? Yes. When we realize the newness that we have in Christ, when we begin to trust in that, when we begin to act on it, we'll find that we're living in a new reality, and that reality is that you're a new creation with a new heart and with a new core. What does it say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17? I just quoted a minute ago. If anyone, in, if anyone, if anyone... If anyone, doesn't matter how bad you've been, if anyone, doesn't matter what you've done in the past, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, not maybe, not sort of be, not sometimes be, but is a new creation. Because a few of the past things have passed away. No, old things have passed away. Behold, all, everybody say all. All things have become new. I wish somebody would begin to believe it. 
to begin to believe that that's true. Even the book of Ezekiel, I believe it is, chapter 36, verse 26, the Lord says, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I'll take that heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, dedicated to Jesus Christ, his spirit lives on the inside of you, and you are no longer the same person that you used to be. We love remembering, though, don't we? Hmm. Actually, it's a love-hate relationship. We hate remembering, but we find ourselves stuck in that place so many times. Far too often, we're focused on the wrong that we have done rather than the right that Jesus has done. We focus on who we were and don't focus on who we now are, a brand-new creation. We're so convinced of our unworthiness that some people still fall on their knees and say, Lord, I am so unworthy. I'm, I'm just a worm. I've prayed that prayer before. I'm nothing, Lord. Now, I, I recognize there's times to say, I'm nothing without you, Lord. I'm not worthy without you, Lord. But a lot of that, I am so unworthy, and I'm nothing, is more about thinking about the negative side of who you used to be instead of the new side of who you are inside today because of what Jesus Christ has done at the cross of Calvary. I wish somebody would say amen in the house of God. So we begin to be convinced of our own unworthiness. We begin to obsess with our failures. And then it's hard to believe Anything other than, I need to be fixed. i got some fixing to do. <clears throat> the devil has walked me down this path so many times in my life when he reminded me of the stupidest, most insignificant things 40 years ago. And, and then I begin to dwell on that. And next thing you know, I'm a worm. <laughs> begin to ask God to forgive me of that. And I have forgotten completely about who I actually am. <clears throat> Excuse me. So what happens is we begin to focus on our unworthiness, become obsessed with our past failures, and then we start a self-improvement program to become better. Uh, but I need to submit to you today that that is religious thinking. That is Old Testament, Old Covenant thinking, that if you perform better, you're somehow more qualified. If you do more for God, then maybe he is more accepting of you. And if you stick there in that place of who you used to be, old you, you'd feel like you never measure up. You're never good enough. And friends, that is religious, stinking thinking. It's just a quick illustration. I remember when I was getting free from drugs, and I was, I, I, of course, you all know that story, and um, I was just at my wit's end, and I had, I was, I was a person who was a, 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 a chronic backslider. Can I get a witness from somebody in the room? I, I was a chronic backslider, you know? I mean, I'd get all fired up for Jesus, man, and 
you know, a year later, I'm back in the drugs, and I was a chronic backslider over and over and over and over again. So much so that it became to a point where I'm like, I'm not going to do this to you again, Jesus. I'm not going to come break your heart again, Jesus. And so I didn't want, I wanted Jesus, but I didn't figure I was worth Jesus' time until I got myself fixed before I came to Jesus, because if I didn't do something about Rick, then I'm just going to break Jesus' heart again. Are, okay, are you all with me? I'm just sharing a little bit of, of my stuff. So I, I went on a journey of saying, I'm gonna, well, I, and I actually said, Jesus, I will come to you, I will run to you with all my heart when I get a few things straightened up. That's stupid, because he's the one that's going to straighten up the things. Right, but I so I was in that thing about a self improvement program, and in the spirit, there ain't no such thing as a self improvement program. Okay, so uh, as believers, I mean, we all have some yard work to do with ourselves. We all, we all got a little bit of a, things to adjust. Our attitudes need to be adjusted. Our actions need to be adjusted. And, and that happens as we renew our minds. It doesn't happen because the church holds you up to a specific standard or says you have to follow this set of rules and you got to behave like us before you can belong to us. You remember a few years ago when I, I had this difficulty with church membership only because it was like the Lord began to show me, you know, most churches are like, you behave like us, believe like us, and then you can belong to us. And the Lord began to say to me, no, 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 no. You belong to us. We pray that you'll eventually believe like us. And because of that, you'll just automatically behave like us. And it was a reversal. And I went, I wasn't even sure how to balance all that out. This was, I don't even know how many years ago. But the Lord is bringing me resolve on that and helping me understand it in such a deeper fashion. Let me, let me pause right there. Listen, every single one of us ought to be growing in our knowledge of the Lord. Amen? Amen. And letting the Lord begin to reveal newer and newer things to us. So, yeah, there's some yard work to do. There's some fence fixing to do. There's some things to do as we change our attitudes and change our actions, as we recalibrate our thought life. That's what has to happen. But let me share a, a jaw-dropping truth with you, okay? I, I, I encourage you, you probably should hold your jaw up right here. If you're a believer in Christ a true follower of Jesus, having accepted him into your heart and given him control of your life, who you are at your core cannot be improved upon. That's messing with some of y'all. Because you ain't done very much yard work. (laughs) We are, you are, I am, The master's handiwork, (laughs) created in Jesus Christ as a new creation. Ephesians chapter 20, excuse me, chapter 2 verse 10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us to do a long time ago. You see, one of the reasons for the gospel, one of the reasons for the good news, one of the reasons for the good, 
the new covenant, is to communicate to us that the only way we can find genuine change is through Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross of Calvary. We can't find genuine change just because we get some resolve. I'm not going to do that anymore. It only becomes how many of y'all been there where you've just gritted your teeth and said, I'm not going to do that anymore, and, you know, six weeks later you're doing it again? Am I the only one? Am I that messed up? So the good news, the new covenant, the gospel is to help communicate to you and I that we need Jesus for genuine change. This is where the transformation begins to happen when we receive Christ. It should be our focus, our thinking to learn about the masterpiece that God has created us to be. I will assure you that there's many, many, many of you sitting in this room that do not look at yourself as a masterpiece. Some of you look at yourself as a junker with a new set of tires. An old barn with a new paint job. I'm going to help somebody today through the power of Jesus Christ. Now, let me say this with you. You cannot improve on the work of the master. That would be like saying, you know, Leonardo da Vinci could have done the Mona Lisa a little better. Or maybe Van Gogh, his starry night photo could have been a little more vibrant. Or maybe Michelangelo's David could have been, ah, he should have polished up that one little area of that statue. You can't improve on the classics. You can't improve on the works of the masterpiece. See, these pieces that I just spoke about are pieces of classic art, priceless in nature, the works of the hands of master craftsmen, and they are masterpieces. They are, they are priceless. And beloved, let me say to you this morning, you are priceless. You are masterpieces. You are the work of the master craftsman. You are a masterpiece. Oh, yeah, 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 you, you clap and say Amen. But do you really believe that about yourself? We're supposed to live. We spend so much time trying to be perfect. And we are supposed to live from a place of perfection that Christ gave us. Not live our life trying to perfect ourselves. Now I know that's maybe a new thought for you. To begin to live your life from a place of perfection because of what Jesus did rather than trying through acts of religious things and religious accruements and activities to to perfect yourself somehow through religious behaviors. There is no religious behavior that could ever perfect you. Only what Christ has done at the cross of Calvary. And here's the part you haven't gotten yet. He already perfected you. Now this is going to mess with you. You cannot become more perfect than you already are. In Christ Jesus. If you're a believer and you've accepted Jesus in your heart and you're truly a disciple of his and you've given your life to him, you cannot become more perfect than you are at this very minute. Sounds like there's only one going on. But that's all right, it's 12 o'clock. 
and you all know that we pray against COVID and so forth. So bow your heads with me just for a minute. Father, we come against COVID-19 and every other disease that may want to infiltrate humanity. We curse it in the name of Jesus. We curse every demonic activity that's coming to change the outlook of our country, the outlook of the church, the outlook of the gospel. And we pray for every single person that's been affected by COVID in Jesus' name. Say amen. So no matter what you and I may do, we cannot improve upon the work of the master architect. And yet we spend every day trying to improve on his, his work. His work. His work. By doing your work. And your work is filthy rags. Scripturally. His work is perfect. We are the product of God's workmanship. I know you may not believe this yet, but I want you to point at yourself and say, I am the product of the master. I am a masterpiece. And you don't mess around with a masterpiece. I'm going to continuously try to keep improving Rick Lopez. I want to learn more. I want to become a better human being. I want to keep trying to be healthy. I want to keep renewing my mind. But spiritually, I can do nothing to make myself any better than I already am in Christ. For me, friends, that's a new way of thinking. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 says, For by one, listen at this, y'all. For by one offering, and that offering was Jesus Christ at Calvary, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified, those who have accepted him into their life. Did you read, did you hear it? By one offering, not multiple offerings, but by one offering, he has perfected for all time, not set people on a course of getting perfect over time, but already perfect for all time. I'll guarantee you there's half of you in this room still don't believe what I'm saying because you still see yourself as a dirty old sinner. I want you to do a little exercise with me, and this is not an exercise that I've made up, and I've done it in various forms over the years, and, but we're going to do this together. How many of y'all would say that you're as righteous as me if you think you're as righteous as I am? Would you raise your hand, please? Okay, now I want you to look around. The question was, how many of y'all think, and I want you to keep your hands up. I know it may, hold it up with the other hand if he gets tired. All right, if you think you're as, as righteous as I am, raise your hand. Okay, he, keep it up there. How many of you believe that you're as righteous as Billy Graham? Oh, some hands went down. How many of you feel like you're maybe as righteous as Mother Teresa? What's that? What'd you grimace for? Huh? How about, are you as righteous as the Apostle Paul? Keep your hand up if you feel like you're as righteous as the Apostle Paul. How many of you feel like you're as righteous as Jesus Christ? Ooh. All right, you can put your hands down. It's interesting to me that that wasn't even a quarter of the hands that went up in this place. Here's the thing. 
if I can't say, if we can't say, I'm as righteous as Jesus, then we've missed it. And that was over two-thirds of y'all in this room. Two-thirds of you couldn't even say you're as righteous as I am. And I'm a mess. Huh? That's why I didn't put my name after Billy Graham or Mother Teresa. We've missed the whole point. When it comes to righteousness, we don't have a problem referring to Romans chapter 4, 22, when it was talking about, you know, it was imputed unto Abraham because he had faith. It was imputed righteousness. We agree with it for Abraham, but we don't accept it for ourselves. We quote uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, where it says, God made Jesus to be sin for us who had no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And we go, oh yeah, but we don't believe it about ourselves when we leave the house. We quote it, we preach it, we agree with it, but do we really believe it? And because of the number of hands that went up in this room, it's a living testament that there's so many of you that don't really believe in it. Now, we also have that passage of Scripture about being clothed in righteousness. And we go, oh, yeah, man, I'm clothed in righteousness. But don't dare look under the clothes. Because if you look under the clothes, you're going to find the same old dirty sinner under the clothes. (laughs) In the Old Covenant, nothing could make you truly righteous to the core. They had ongoing sacrifices. Every year there was the sacrifice for the atonement of sin. I read a, an illustration in a book where it talked about this. So, you know, uh, 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 let's say uh, Jonathan, not our Jonathan, but some other Jonathan from the New Testament. John, he goes and he goes to the temple to do the sacrifice. And, uh, you know, he got everything squared away that day and he's... Now, all of his sins have been atoned for. They've been covered up, been covered over for a year. For, it's only for a year because you've got to come back next year and do it again. And on the way home from the sacrifice, him and his wife get in a fight, and he says the wrong thing. He's got 364 more days to live wrong <laughs> because he's not covered over that sin. That's the way it was in the Old Testament. Nothing could make anyone truly righteous. You were only righteous on the surface for a short period of time. But think about what John the Baptist had to say to us in John 1.29 when Jesus showed up at the Jordan River to be baptized. The apostle John says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away your sin. He didn't say covers over. To cover over means they're, just, they're still there. They're just hidden. No, he comes to take them away. Most of us don't believe that either. We believe that before the end of the day, we're going to have to repent of our sins. Did he not take away your sins? And what sins are you forgiven for? And what sins aren't you forgiven of? Are you forgiven of all your past sins? Are you forgiven of your present sins? Are you forgiven of your future sins? Then what are you asking him for? How forgiven do you want to be? Can you be any more forgiven? That's That's absolutely right. 
You cannot be any more forgiven than you already are because of what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary. And why did he die? To take away your sins. To make you, you see, the Old Testament believers didn't have a chance to become a new creation. They didn't have a chance to let the old things be passed away. They never had the opportunity to say, behold, all things have become new. They were just good for a year. And had to go back to do it again. The new perfect Lamb of God arrived on the scene to take away your sin, not temporarily cover over them. Is there still yard work to do? Yes. Is there still some mind renewing to do? Yes. Is there still some spiritual exercises we can do to become stronger in the Lord? Yes. But you cannot become more perfect. You are the masterpiece of the Lord Jesus Christ, the hands of the master craftsman. You cannot become more forgiven than you currently are right now. Most of us don't believe it. So I'm going to keep preaching it. Until you do. He gave us the gift of his death to take away. Listen, beloved. To take away. To take away our sins. How far away? Well, he says that he's thrown your sins into the sea of forgetfulness. And I got a feeling that when God forgets, he does it perfectly. He says that he's taken your sins as far as the east is from the west. So far I have removed your sins from me. And I'll tell you right now that when he removes your sins from his sight, he does it perfectly. Why do we keep remembering? Why do we keep reminding him? Why do I keep reminding God of what I did 40 years ago and asking him to forgive me and make me clean from that. How much cleaner can I be? Not any cleaner. Some of y'all still staring at me like, what? That guy needs to go do a reboot from Florida. Something's wrong. Turn with me now. I'll be done in a minute. I've been gone for a month and haven't preached. Y'all gonna get it today, so... But I'm preaching the truth to you. And it's not a truth that's easily, easily accepted because we still believe that we are who we think we are. And the thoughts that you're having, I'm, I promise you, when I have thoughts about a wrong that I did 40 years ago, that's not God. And it's probably not even me. It's probably the accuser of the brethren wanting me to dwell on something so I can feel guilty about something that Christ has already forgiven that I can't be any more forgiven for than I've already been. That thing 40 years ago doesn't make me any less righteousness. The thing that I did before church, which quite frankly wasn't anything, I'm just using it as an example, and the thing that I will do tomorrow can't make me any less righteousness because I'm already the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not perfect because I'm still in an earth suit. Huh? This is why when the Lord comes and gets us, he doesn't say he's going to give us, you know, we'll get a new spirit here on earth, but when he comes and, and, and the trumpet blows, it says we get a new body. Because this body's a mess. We, get it. That's why we, we don't get a new spirit. 
We get a new body to go with that, all right? We have a new spirit right now, just the old body. Come on, somebody. Woo, I wish somebody get this. All right, Hebrews chapter 10. Now listen to this, y'all. Get a revelation of this. Are you there, Hebrews chapter 10? Page 1,720. For the law since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make perfect those who draw near. I'm reading the scripture now instead of up front because I've said a few things I think that's going to make this come to life for you. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offering? Excuse me. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered because the worshipers having once been cleansed, would no longer have had a consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Listen to me, folks. That, this, what, what I'm sharing with you about what we think, it, I'm talking about the difference between law-like religion and freedom in Jesus Christ. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. <laughs> are y'all catching this therefore when he comes into the world he says sacrifice and offering you have not desired but a body you have prepared for me in whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have taken no pleasure then I said behold I have come in the scroll of the book it is written of me to do your will O God verse 8 after saying above sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins you have not desired nor have you taken pleasure in them which are offered according to the law then he said Behold, I've come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this, by this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. There is no more sacrifices for my sins. Jesus is not going to shed his blood again. He already shed his blood one time to cover all my sins once and for all. Whew. Every priest, verse 11, every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, that's why I can say my past, my present, and my future. Sat down at the right hand of the Father, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I'll put my laws upon their heart and on their mind. I will write them their sins. And their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. Jesus went to the cross one time for us. If you mess up this afternoon, is there a part of that that you begin to go, Okay, I, I got to get that fixed in my life. Yes, yes, yes. Yard work. But do you, can you be any, does that make you less forgiven? No. Because no. he did it one time for all time. Yes. 
His death on the cross. It's not like you can go say, uh, uh, would you die one more time for this one? Some of y'all still looking at me kind of funny. Because Jesus shed his blood only once, not only are we new creations and not only are we righteous, but we are forgiven. We are a forgiven people. We point at yourself and say, I am forgiven. Then why can't you forgive yourself if he already did it? Are you trying to do a self-improvement program to make the masterpiece better somehow? When you can't. God is, what Jesus did at the cross satisfied God. And it completely satisfied God. That why, that's why there was no longer any need for an annual sacrifice, because it satisfied all that. And it satisfied, com- with, and, if, and if God is satisfied, why are we arguing with him? If he's satisfied with who I am, not because of anything I've done, but because of what Jesus has done, who am I to argue with him about me? And who are you to argue with him about you? Oh, it's my prayer that some of you walk out of here today. I'd love for all of you to, but I got a feeling I have to preach this for a few years for you to get it completely. But I'm praying that some of you walk out of here going, I am forgiven. I am the righteousness of Christ. Praise team, would you come on up? I want to begin to close, and we're going we're gonna to do something really special today. It's right now quarter after. As I said, God isn't planning on any other sacrifices. There are no more sacrifices. Are you hearing me? There are no more sacrifices for sin. It happened once for all time. Done deal. God is happy. God is satisfied. Over. Jesus will never ever shed his blood again. He's already done it. Would you please get a hold of this? That can only mean one thing, that our past sins, our present sins, and all of our future sins have already been completely forgiven. I know that messes with us. Because in our humanity, we still want to fix ourselves. He's already fixed it. I already fixed this whole thing, y'all. That's what Jesus is saying. You're beautiful to me. You're a masterpiece to me, the Lord would say. I've made you perfect. I've already perfected you. Yes, keep living for me. Yes, walk in a manner worthy of Christ. That's what the scripture tells us. Yes, 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 and yes. But none of that makes me any cleaner before God, any more forgiven before God, or any more righteous before God. This isn't a a message for all of y'all righteous believers to walk out of here with your noses stuck up in the air with a high, mighty attitude. That's not the case. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 14 says, You, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Having past tense. Forgiven past tense. You all your trespasses. Having wiped out 
the handwriting of the requirements, the law, having wiped out the law which worked against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, nailing it to the cross of Calvary. All because of the cross. You're righteous. You're forgiven. You're clean. And you're as righteous and forgiven and as clean as you'll ever be, any one of you in this room. I wish you'd believe it. We're going to share communion together today, but it has been on my mind to approach communion from a different direction. We often approach communion in soberness and solemnity. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that necessarily, but I propose to you that it should be a celebration and not a dirge. It should be more like a party than a funeral. You see, if you can get a revelation of the simple things that I've taught you today, receiving the communion should not cause you to begin to go back and remember how bad you are, but it should convince you and cause you to celebrate and party over how righteous you are because of what Jesus Christ did when he shed his blood and when he gave his body. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things. Behold, all things have become new. The whole point of the Lord's Supper is to remind us how close to our God we already are. I know it says to examine yourself, but please, you need to understand that that's not about examining how dirty you are or how clean you are. That was written in context to the Corinthian church that the Apostle Paul had to correct and straighten up. You know, they were all coming together to have their feast together and to share the Lord's Supper together. And it talks about the rich were getting there early, the poor were getting there late, and the rich folks were eating all the good food and drinking all the wine. In other words, by the time the poor people showed up, the rich folks were already gluttonous and drunk. And he's saying, you have food at home. Why do you do this when you come to the house of God? That's the context where he says, you know, examine yourself. In other words, are you doing this because of what Christ did for you? Or are you doing this so you guys can come have a, you know, a feast together? He's saying, no, that's not why. So examine yourself isn't about looking under the clothing of righteousness and going, oh, still dirty. Still unclean. Still imperfect. And if he's already forgotten all of my sins, why do I want to come back and remember them at communion? Are you listening? Are you hearing me? For me to come back to communion with the idea of remembering my sins is a slap in the face to what he did at the cross of Calvary. I believe that communion is supposed to be about a celebration about what he accomplished. None of this is because of your righteousness or mine or anything else. It's because of what he accomplished at the cross of Calvary. What he did at Calvary was take away all of your sins. What he did at Calvary was forgive you once and for all because that was the one-time sacrifice for all time. We should take the communion thing. Oh, you gave your body so that I am healed. Glory to God. You shed your blood so that I am free. Hallelujah. So I wonder if we could take communion today and have a communion without religion. I wonder if we can have a communion 
without religion. So with that in mind, peel off that first layer. You need to peel off the first layer. If you peel off the second layer, you're getting grape juice on your new clothes. So peel off that first layer. And I want you to look at this waiver. And I don't want you to look at this from the negative side. I want you to look at this and go, he gave, he, his, by his stripes I've already been healed. He went to the cross. My, the chastisement of, of my peace was upon him. He has healed all. I'm a healed believer in Jesus Christ because of his body. That should be a celebration, y'all. So, with that in mind, we give thanks. That's why Jesus said he held up the bread and he split it and he gave thanks. And we thank you today, not because of the communion elements, but because of what you did at the cross of Calvary one time for all. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much that you gave your son to die for our sins and to heal us from all of our imperfections. And Lord, we look at this today to remember that Christ won the victory for us. In Jesus' name. Can you take that now? Mm, that's good. Honest to, honest to goodness, I can't tell you the number of times that I stand up here and chew on the cracker trying to remember the bitterness. I'm sorry, y'all. I know I've been a pastor for 20, going on 26 years and been here over eight years, and I'm still learning how to do this. God's continually helping me to discover more about the great gift of what he's given me. All the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I didn't, it didn't say what can cover up my sins. What can take away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So carefully, y'all, peel back that other layer. Jesus said when he took the cup, this is the new covenant. That's what he said. This is the new covenant. Listen, folks, we're going to be a church that's going to get out of the old covenant. We're, we're going to be a church that's, it's my plan that we are a church without religion. It's a new covenant. That means freedom. Oh, hallelujah. I know I was a sinner, but you, one drop, it's all it took to not just clean me up, but to make me forgiven forever, to make me the righteousness of Christ Jesus and the righteousness of God, to forgive me for all time. That's what this is. We ought to just tip it up and chug a lug. <laughs> but just for you religious folks, Jesus took the cup, and after having given thanks, he took drink. Y'all ready? Now, I said we're going to party. This is a party, y'all. So stand to your feet, loosen up those old bones. Shake off those dry bones. Get ready for those dead bones to come to life again. Because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are forgiven completely and utterly forgiven for all time for all of your sins Jesus Christ died for you on the cross of Calvary and because of that you can proclaim that you are free